0: My name is Todd Lovelace, and I am the family pastor here at Skyline. And every year or so, Jonathan makes me come up here and talk. I don't, I don't know why he does that. He doesn't really. But uh, so, let's just remember the Skyline motto lately that, uh, give him a chance. <laughs> give him a chance. If you're new and you don't know what that is, come to the Christmas party maybe next year, and you'll know. This morning we're going to continue to walk through the uh, book of Proverbs together. Jonathan did a great job last week. If you were here, if not, go listen to the podcast and catch up. Um, But he did a good job just kind of introducing this series that we're on, on the book of Proverbs. And so he described a proverb as a short saying that offers us wisdom, which in the Hebrew means both knowledge and skill. So, there's more than just knowledge to wisdom. It's skill. There's an action involved in the word wisdom. So, today we're going to look at the word wisdom, how it relates to parenting. And then we're going to share a little bit about the strategy uh, for action here at Skyline. So, each year um, during the Christmas holiday, Um, I try to sort of disconnect from the world a little bit at my house, and uh, one of the things I found to be very peaceful for me and uh, sort of therapeutic is putting together a puzzle. And so, I know it's kind of nerdy, but this is the actual puzzle that I did this uh, Christmas. It's uh, Scenes from Friends, if you haven't seen that show. I'm showing my age here. Um, But that was uh, a very difficult puzzle to do. I'm pretty good at them, but that was a a very difficult one. Matter of fact, if anybody would like to have this at the end, I can only do puzzles once. So once I'm done, you're welcome to have them. I see that hand. It's yours. It's yours. So um, any puzzle people in here? Oh, a few. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, um, so, like I said, it was, it was kind of tough, and I was working late one night. Everybody, I think, was already in bed. Um, but my, my family, um, when I do puzzles, my family says that I go into a puzzle coma. And that is definitely true. I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. I'm just, like, laser-focused in on this puzzle until I get it finished. Um, But one night, so I'm up late, and I continue to, um, you know, I put the the easy pieces together, and then I kind of looked at, if if you see the picture again, it's got all the faces, and so they're all kind of looking the same. And so I'd take a piece, and I'd look at the box, and of course I have a giant flashlight because I can't see the box anymore. But I'm looking at the box, I'm just kind of matching the pieces um, up together. And I remember thinking, and kind of laughing myself, what would I do if I didn't have the picture on that box? I'd have no idea what the end picture would look like. I'd have no idea. I wouldn't have a clear picture of what it was going to look like if I didn't have the picture on that box. Well, I think the same can be can be said for the parenting journey that many of us are on in this room. We're all trying to raise kids to, to love Jesus, but the picture that the world gives us today um, just isn't very clear. I think you would agree with me. We've, we, we, you've constantly got people in your life just adding pieces to your puzzle that don't even belong there. They, they don't even fit, but people are constantly trying to add their pieces to your puzzle. So, these loud and, and convincing voices that are telling you to, to raise your kids this way, or this is the way that you should be raising your kids today. And a lot of times it doesn't even match up with scripture. And so you begin to wonder, like, is scripture even really relevant today? Or is it, is it too old-fashioned? And we have a lot of pressure that we put on us as Christian parents to, um, to not just follow the crowd, or or drift into what society says about parenting. And then you've got the border pieces, which are, you know, usually the easiest pieces of the puzzle. You put those together first, and they provide sort of this boundary, if you will. But even the boundaries to parenting seems to be constantly changing with culture. What's right in this situation may be right and wrong in another situation. So as if parenting isn't hard enough, our culture makes parenting even harder. So the Bible, it gives us so much wisdom, uh, so much instruction, and the book of Proverbs is just a great place to, to find that instruction, to find the wisdom that is relevant even in our culture today. Now I know that, that even... Those of us as parents who, who work hard to use that wisdom that we find in Scripture and even try to apply it in our, in our lives, and our homes, um, we know that, that there are no guarantees that our kids are going to turn out the way that we hope they would. There are great parents who have prodigal children, and there are bad parents who have children that are faithful followers of Jesus. But like I've said for for many years here at Skyline, even though that there there are no guarantees as parents, we should be, as Christians, we should be determined to do our part and then trust the Lord to do what only He can do. And that's the heart change that takes place over a lifetime. So, as I talk about parenting this morning, I realize that there are many in here that don't have kids. Some of you uh, have already raised kids and they're, they're out of the home. But I want you to stay engaged this morning because, as we say every week, Skyline is a generational community. And that means we all participate. We all have um, a place, a role, in passing on the faith to the next generation. So I'm convinced. And maybe you are too. If you're a parent, there, there's nothing harder than parenting. Parenting is this this roller coaster of feelings of like great success and then colossal failure, and sometimes even in the same day. I can't think of anything that has caused me more uh, head scratching. Uh, just to, this feeling of being so unable and so inadequate, yet so proud. And joyful. But let me say this. One, one of the best things that I've learned about parenting, and this may be the only thing you need to hear today as a parent, but one of the best things I've learned about parenting is that God doesn't call people to be parents because they're able. None of us have the natural storehouse of wisdom, of strength, of patience, of perseverance that we need to do this job well. Listen to Paul Tripp in one of my favorite parenting books called Parenting. He says this. It's on the screen there. Why would a God of perfect wisdom ask inadequate people to do such an important job? The answer is so important to grasp. God calls unable people to do important things so that he will get the glory and not them. He isn't working so that your life as a parent would be easy, predictable, and free from struggle. He, call, he calls you to do the impossible so that in your search for help, you would find more than help. You would find Him. Man, I just love that. I remember reading that for the first time and going, gosh, it just explains so much for me as a parent. In those times where you struggle for, um, for wisdom, and you're just kind of, you just don't know what to do. In your search for help with the Lord, he's saying, I want you to find more than help in that situation. I want you to find me. We read on. He says, rather than your ability, being in the way of God's plan, it is part of God's plan. He knows that parents who admit that they are inadequate and run to him make the best parents. He doesn't ask you to be able. He asks you to be willing. And if you're willing, he will meet you in your weakness and change you. And as he changes you, he will work good things through you into the lives of your children. I hope that encourages you this morning. So as we talk about parenting, I think it's, it's always important to start with the right perspective. To just keep in mind the big picture of really what God wants to do in us as parents and through us. So first, I believe God wants to use our parenting to expose our own hearts so that we grow in our faith and dependency in Him. For those that have been in uh, our house, my wife and I lead a a small group. Um, Every four weeks, we'll bring new people into our group, our house, and and we talk about marriage or we talk about parenting. And for those of you who have been there, you've heard this before, but um, God uses marriage and parenting to daily expose things in our life, like selfishness and pride and impatience, And anger. Those things are, you know, God gives us those parenting and marriage as a gift to help expose those things in our daily life. Those things that come so naturally to us but need to be exposed so that the Holy Spirit can do the work of shaping our hearts as parents. But I believe that once we understand this concept, once we, uh, you know, confront ourselves with that truth the big picture of what God wants to do in us, we become better parents. We just do. We become, with that perspective, we become better parents. We, we understand God's grace more clearly. We learn to fully depend on him when parenting is hard. And we see the big picture of what God is doing and how he's using parenting to help us become more like Jesus. So the other big picture perspective is this, parenting is less about what we want for our kids and from our kids, and more about what God has planned to do through us in our kids. Again, I just, I love that, um, that, that concept, it's just changed the way I view parenting. You see, it's so easy for us as parents to be motivated And shaped by what we want for our children. We want them to be successful, right? We want them to to look good. We want them to act right. We want them to to be smart. We want them to get in the right colleges. We want them to be the star athlete or the accomplished musician or dancer. We have a lot of dreams and hopes for our kids. Sometimes we're motivated by that. Other times we're motivated by what we want from our kids. We want them to make us look good, right? Or or we want them to make us look smart. Or we want them to make us look powerful. And we, we sure don't want them to make us look bad or embarrass us or the family. But everything changes when we recognize that our children don't actually belong to us. But to the one that created him or her. For his glory... And for His plan. This conversation has taken place many times in our family just because, you know, my wife and I have talked with our kids. We're sending our second one off to college um, at the end of this year. And um, I'm going to be broke for a while, but that's okay. But we're always saying, you know, look, this isn't about what we want for you when we're talking about marriage or what you want to do in life or whatever. It's like, This is about your journey with God and what he wants to do in you and through you. It's not about what we want. So that means my job as a parent is is a lot more clear because I'm I'm his ambassador in the life of my kids. My job, my wife's job, we're, we're to faithfully represent the message, the methods, and the character of Christ in our home. And again, that just puts things in a totally different perspective for us as parents. So as parents, we've been called to be these faithful, willing tools in the hands of the father who alone is able to produce good things in our children. So first, wise parents, we see the big picture we see the big picture of what God wants to do in us as parents, and through us. And the second thing is this, wise parents make a plan. Because remember the wisdom is both knowledge and skill, which that skill takes action. It takes, um, it takes an intentionality, an intentional plan. So Proverbs 22, 6, probably one of the most popular Proverbs. We all have, have seen it many times, I'm sure. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, that word train up in Hebrew means to dedicate. Like you would, like you would dedicate a baby. Um, it's like you dedicate a baby, and, and when they're born, um, you place them in the path that they are will go. And we know that that kids, they have these habit patterns that start early in their life. And so, we set them on that path in the way that they will go. And again, we learned last week, proverbs aren't promises. They're not absolutes. They're more like probabilities, if you will. So this verse is saying, there is a great probability. That if you train up your child, they will stay on the path. Wise parents have a plan to train up their children. So through lots of study, 14 years or so, at least in Skyline's life, we've studied and real life experience. Our family ministry ministry has, has created what we call the parent path. This is an effort for us uh, to, to help us as parents raise our kids with intentionality and being uh, kind of a proactive approach, if you will. So, this is super bare bones this morning. This is like not even the short version of the Reader's Digest version, okay, of the Parent Path. We've actually created six separate classes that our team will... will, um, will teach throughout the years that you guys can jump in at any point, um, and I'll, I'll mention that at the end as well. But that will give you, the, the classes will give you more information, and most importantly, application to the parent path. So, let me just give you a quick overview of what it is. In all the research and, and resources that we've done, and, and helping and trying to figure out how do we lead our kids, our kids spiritually— Everyone agrees that the most important things parents can do to train up their children is to personally abide in Jesus. For us as parents to personally abide in Jesus. And I know Billy is smiling from ear to ear right now when I say that. But Dr. Christian Smith, he's a sociologist from Notre Dame. I've quoted him before. He says, our faith as a parent will impact our children more than anyone or anything else. Vern Bingston, another sociologist from USC. We don't like them, but. (laughs) he He did a 35 year study on this. 35 years he did a study over all religions. And he says, parents today continue to be the single greatest influence in their child's faith. So, listen, I, I, I'm with you. I feel the pressure as, as a parent to want to pass on my faith to my kids. But what I want you to remember this morning is that we're all in God's process of grace meaning we all have a lot of work to do. Again, Paul Tripp, in his book, he says, parenting is unfinished people being used by God as agents of transformation in the lives of unfinished people. So, we're all waking up every day with stuff in our lives, right? And we're all in need of God's redeeming and restoring grace. To be the spiritual leaders of our homes, it doesn't require perfection, which is impossible. But it does require us to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and shape us into becoming these new creations that God is making in us. So, I like to think of it, God has given us a new heart, but it's new and renewing over time. Proverbs fifteen thirty three says, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord or respect or revere the Lord. And then what does it say? Humility comes before honor. And then the next one, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. What does it say? Sure. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. See, the wisdom, I love the wisdom in Proverbs here. Abiding is learning humility and submission. It's placing God in his rightful place in our life, and then placing us in our rightful place in submission to him. And I believe when we do that, when we begin to do that, we, we begin to abide we, we begin to connect with God. We're changed by the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, we begin to model for our kids what a humble and submitted life to our Heavenly Father looks like. And our kids, they, they see it with their own eyes. They, they hear it with their own ears. So the first thing in the parent path is obvious, but we abide in Jesus. We're on the path to abiding. The second thing in the parent path is that we create this culture of grace. Not, not only in our homes, but in our in our relationships with our kids. Now, four out of the six classes that uh, we have for the the parent path are about this subject. It's gigantic. There's so much to creating this culture of grace. So, I'm barely going to talk about this, but creating a culture of grace is simply providing a warm and affirming place to grow up. It's a place like in the parable the soils where we're constantly working to provide a good soil where there's positive soil and loving soil and encouraging soil where the seeds that we're trying to lay will take root and grow. And this kind of thing only happens when we prioritize connecting to our kids' hearts. But a lot of times, instead of connecting to their hearts, we tend to spend a lot of time trying to direct and control their behavior. And again, we we want them to act right. We want them to look right. We don't want them to embarrass us. And so we do all we can to try to control their behavior through punishment. And through consequences, which are all good things and have their place. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But we also drift sometimes into guilt and shame, sometimes without even realizing it. But we forget that what controls their words and their actions and their behaviors are what's in their hearts. Again, one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 4:23, says, The Father here, by the way, is just he's pleading with his son. And he says, Above all else, above everything else in your life, everything else in your life, guard your heart, protect your heart. Pay attention to what you're putting in your heart. For everything you do, your words, your actions, Your behaviors, everything you do flows from it. So as parents, I know we spend a lot of time enforcing the law, even though we clearly need the law. Because the law, without the law, the law actually reveals the sin that's inside of us. The law is is God's guide for living, but the law has no ability to change your kids' hearts. The law is a good thing, but the law is not enough. If it were, Jesus wouldn't have had to come, right? So if parenting, if your parenting goal is to see your kids abide in Jesus, to walk with Jesus, then we must as parents focus on their hearts by creating this this culture of grace in our home. So that they can understand what a relationship with Jesus looks like. So they can just get a small picture of the forgiving, rescuing, transforming grace that God is offering them. So how do we do that? Here's just a quick overview of creating a culture of grace in our homes. I think it takes first, it takes a loving persuasion If you look at the screen here, Proverbs uh, 2, 1 through 5, here's the father again pleading with his son. He says, my son, if you receive my words, if you treasure up my commands within you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And he goes on to say, my son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. I was reading this this week many times, and I just kept thinking, I felt what this father was doing with his kids with his son. Because it's me, I'm, I'm constantly, I'm trying to, trying to do whatever I can. I'm pleading. Um, probably, Reed and I were just talking a minute ago about, I just go overboard. That's just my, everything I do, I kind of go too far. Um, so, I apologize, kids. Thank you. Thank you for being patient with me. But the father in the book of Proverbs is, is constantly reasoning and persuading. He's saying, please give me your heart so that I can persuade you to live this way. Because he knows he can't make him give him his heart. So, he pleads with him. He reasons with his son concerning what God wants from him. So, as parents whose hearts have been changed by the Holy Spirit, who've been rescued by God's grace ourselves, we know we can't make our kids follow Jesus. But We can tell the story of our own journey over and over and over again. And we can persuade them and we can reason with them about what that looks like. Creating a culture of grace is parents wooing our kids to the glory, the wisdom, and the grace of a loving father. The second thing I think it takes to create this culture of grace is it takes a loving discipline. We've already talked a little bit about God's law, but, but part of training up our children is learning to discipline them. Our children, like us, we come into this world as fools with a desperate need for God's law. We just do. Because without the law, we wouldn't have a clue of what we're supposed to think or what we're supposed to speak or how we're supposed to behave or what to desire right so we've been given these protective boundaries the law so that we know how to live and we must be willing as parents to do the same for our kids proverbs 22:15 tells us that folly is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of discipline will drive it far away and don't get caught up in the in the rod part. We're not talking about beating our children. Uh, but Proverbs three, eleven through thirteen says, "The Lord disciplines those He loves, as a father the son He delights in." You see, discipline is a critical part of godly parenting, but it must always be done in sync and sync with God's grace. Times of discipline should include times of instruction. Loving discipline is is teaching and instructing as much as it's correction and consequences. And again, we do this by asking questions, by telling stories, by giving illustrations, anything to help our children examine his or her heart So that they begin to see and understand their own foolishness. And they begin to see and understand their need for God's grace. We can't make them follow Jesus, but we can help them to see what's in their hearts. And understand God's grace. Finally, I think to create a culture of grace, it takes us to have a loving perspective as parents. So our children, again, like us, have a father who is patiently working over a lifetime to help us all see his goodness and his grace. We have a father who doesn't demand instant change, but who understands our condition and confronts us not just with discipline, but with his grace. We have a father that patiently exposes what's wrong with us again and again and again, so that we have opportunity after opportunity to take yet another step in the process of heart change. So, having a loving perspective is knowing that the Lord has been patient with us, right? And that keeps us on track as we lead our kids as his ambassadors. So going back to the parent path, we abide in Jesus. We create a culture of grace. And the last thing is we build a discipleship circle. And a discipleship circle we've talked about is it's simply surrounding your children with a network of people that love them and that love Jesus. And again, my my hopes and dreams, I just, I see the big picture here. My hopes and dreams for Skyline um, are that we would look more and more like this generational community every single year as we add more people. I just, I see the picture of us becoming this generational community where men and women, including parents and, and grandparents and young adults and old adults and single adults and college age adults high school students, where where they're building friendships with the kids in our church and the youth in our church. And they're actually walking alongside them, becoming a part of their faith journey. Isn't that a great picture? I I love that about Skyland because we started it as a family. And that's the picture that I get. Listen to the words in Proverbs. Again, there's so many of these but these are just proverbs about having others in your life and in your kids' lives and how important it is. Proverbs thirteen seventeen: a trustworthy envoy brings healing. Walk with the wise and become wise. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Light in a messenger's eyes bring joy to the heart. Again, we could go on and on. But how, how amazing would it be as the spiritual leader of your kids to help create this network of men and women who in addition to you as, this, as the primary spiritual leader will speak godly wisdom into their lives, who will pray for them, who will invest in them, who will be a, a picture, a model of Jesus for them. And I'm so blessed, you guys. I'm so blessed that I was able to start this with my kids. And they have they have so many. A lot that couldn't be here today. But I, I asked some of them if they would just, just take a minute. I want you to stand if you're... Gosh, I do this all the time. This is the part. When I start talking about my kids and the people that... that uh, that the Lord has put into their lives, I just I get emotional because it's it's something I can't do. I can't control this, but I'm so grateful for the men and women that have committed um, to being in my kids' life. So, if you would stand for a minute, if you're in my kids' circle, would you stand for a minute? I just want to recognize. Yeah. These are. These are just part of them. There's, there's adults, there's, there's teachers, and there's coaches, and there's other family members. Thanks, you guys can be seated. Thank you. You guys are amazing. I mean, I, again, my wife and I, we've, we've tried to um, abide in Jesus the best we can. We've, we've tried to create this culture of grace um, in our family. Um, but, I, but I underestimated the power of, of what God would do through the, through the men and women in my kids' circle. So, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for what you're doing and continue to do. Okay, gosh, enough of that. Golly. I, run. I need to do some calisthenics or something. Okay, so... Next week, um, we're going to do a class uh, behind me in this classroom, number one, where it's going to be, it's going to be all about this discipleship circle. I believe in it. I've seen it. My kids are beneficiaries of it. I want to help you create these, these circles for your kids. So, 9 a.m., it's an hour long. We have childcare. You're all welcome to be in there. And uh, I just want to answer your questions and, uh, and, again, help you just build that circle for your kids. So I'm going to have the band come up as I close. And I just want to remind you of what I said at the beginning. This, this big picture of what God wants to do for us as parents. And I really believe this. I think, I think the first thing, again, I, that he wants to do is he wants to use parenting to connect our hearts with his. He wants us to learn to abide. And the second thing is he wants to use our parenting to help our kids connect with His heart. That's it. There's, there's nothing more important than those two things. Nothing should take priority over those two things. And don't let the world tell you otherwise. Those are the two most important things. Your, your walk with the Lord, your heart connecting to His, and you helping your kid's heart connect to His. That should be a filter with which we filter everything, every question, every thought, every discipline, everything in our life should be filtered through those two things. And I know parenting is, a, is a, tough, a tough puzzle to solve at times. So we have to continually keep looking at the picture on the box, right? To help keep us on track. We have to keep looking at the picture on the box. And that picture, that picture is a picture of Jesus. The pieces, that are, the pieces in that puzzle are made up of us because he wants to use us all as his ambassadors. So you see these puzzle pieces around the room this morning. These, these pieces have all of our names on them. It's babies. It's high school students. It's elementary school students. It's adults. It's, it's uh, retired people all of our names are on here because we all are part of this generational community so we're all a part of helping our children become faithful followers of Jesus so what I want you to do after we close after you stand and sing in just a minute is uh, I want you to go and grab one, two, three, four, five however many you want to grab and I want you to just take them home and I want you to just pray over them for the next year Just pray over them. And whatever the Lord leads, they're just first names, so you won't know who they are probably. But just pray over them and see what the Holy Spirit says to you about what what to pray for. And then finally, for those of us that are spiritual leaders in our homes, keep telling the stories. Keep telling the stories to your children of God's faithfulness, of, of His goodness, of His redeeming and saving grace. That's what we do as ambassadors. Keep telling the stories. Let's sing together. If you stand with us.